Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. How can you use whatever you're doing now to get where you want to go? Any frame other than that is victimhood. I'm stuck here. I don't want to be doing this. This sucks. This is boring. There's truth to that. It's just all victimhood. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This is part three of our four-part series taken from a member webcast where I was teaching the live version of the Open to Excellence course. Production is currently underway to turn this into an online course in the near future. What does sacrifice mean to you? Are you sacrificing something to get something else? Is that really a sacrifice or a means to an end? And what about accountability? Do you relate to it as a tool or a burden? What if you had to change your relationship to sacrifice and accountability to achieve excellence? What if that were so? Keep listening to find out more. And I'm very excited to announce the release of my ebook, Cut the Bullshit, Solve Your Problems by Getting Real. It's full of direct practical advice related to getting employees engaged, hiring right the first time, how to create a culture of radical responsibility, and a lot more. For a limited time, I'm giving this ebook away for nothing. So if you've got some extra nothing, go to clearandopen.com with nothing in hand, clearandopen.com slash CTB. Again, clearandopen.com slash CTB to download it. That stands for Cut the Bullshit. It's a free ebook to reward and support my loyal listeners. Thanks so much for being one. Now let's dive into the podcast. So I finished my master's degree when I was working full time and I was pregnant and I was Whoa. teaching yoga a couple nights a week and I was so exhausted and I felt like my brain was like, on, you know, slogging through mud or something. But so one of the tools that I used then that somebody told me, a mentor I had, a woman that had helped me a lot on my path and uh, I still use it and tell my own kids now is like, I just always look, if I look at the whole thing, it felt overwhelming. So I would just look at the next step. Like I pictured it like a big hike, you know, where if you look at the peak, you go, oh my God, I, I am so tired. I can't do that. But if I look at my very next footstep mm-hmm. and quit looking up, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good, there's that keep your eyes on the prize philosophy. But sometimes I was so tired and overwhelmed that I felt like, would never get there. So I just looked at like, what's my next footstep? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say five things at once about that. Thank you. And yeah, it's the vision exists and you want to have it written down so that you can focus just on the next step, right? That frees you to be able to take just one step. So ideally with any vision, you have the long-term vision created, written down. You can see it. And then you break that down into steps and habits and smaller commitments so that you don't have to hold the whole vision. You can just trust in those smaller pieces. 
you know, if you take one step generally in that direction, you're going to get closer to that peak. You get to trust in that so that when you're really tired and you can't really hold the vision and you can't hold the whole journey in your head, you don't have to. On this subject of holding the whole vision in your head, make an advertisement for uh, coaching here. One of the things a coach does is they're holding the whole journey for you when you can't. And I've got someone who does that for me. In fact, I'm seeing her today. And sometimes I show up and I'm super ambitious and excited about reaching my goals. Other times I need to complain about how tired I am for 20 minutes. But she never, she's holding for me the me I want to become. So that when I can't, there's someone to pick it up off the floor and hand it back to me. And so there's a peer accountability thing that you can do with peers and you've experienced this in the groups. That's one kind of accountability. Another kind of accountability comes from an authority figure. I hold that a coach, the, the way I coach is I adopt a kind of uh, authority role. Not all coaches, coaches do that. Some of them do more of a peer thing. There's pros and cons to both. But the way I see it is there's three kinds of authority figures you can have in your life. You can have a peer of peer accountability, which is not really authority. It's someone who's going to, who is at the same level as you, whatever that means. But they're going to reflect to you what they see in an honest way. There's an authority, someone who doesn't have a direct kind of influence over your life in that like they can't fire you. Uh, and then you can have the authority. And the authority for most people who have jobs is your boss. And that's a very different kind of accountability. Now, all three of those kinds of accountabilities are, have sort of different flavors, different frequencies. Hear me when I say, use them all. And I say that really intentionally. You use them. Use them. The employee mentality is the boss is the man, right? And you're supposed to sacrifice your needs for the company and trade half of your working hours to do something that you don't really want to do, just serve something that you don't really care about. That's the employee mentality. That's the slave mentality. That's what our economy has been built on since the dawn of civilization. That the rich, powerful people get the people who have less means to do what they don't want to do to do stuff for them. That's how that works. I could, this is the, the revolution of healthy self-interest in the workplace means that not only should you as an employee not want to do that, but bosses shouldn't stand for it. A good boss refuses to accept the sacrifice of an employee doesn't want them to do things that they don't see as being in their self-interest. Why? Because they know they'll never get full engagement that way. Even that's self-interested. See how subtle that is? The manager cares so much about their success, the success of the company, and the success of the individual that they refuse to let the employee sacrifice themselves holding a higher bar. And that's another way 
another way, another doorway into excellence, self-interest. Because the I don't want to misses how the thing is actually in one's individual best interest. So to call the reconnect to that. Ed? I st- uh, so you said it twice and it sounded clear the second time. I still don't get it. <laughs> so I, I, it, I think I get the context, but I'm, yeah, I'm still. About using, using the authority? About the employee shouldn't sacrifice, or I guess both sides of it. So I guess I'm still not exactly following. Well, I, I appreciate it. I skipped a lot of steps, sort of assuming people could bring forward things I've talked about in the past, I think. So there's no such thing as sacrifice. You know, you know what the original uh, meaning of sacrifice was, where that came from, anthropologically? I love that word, anthropologically. It's fun to say. You know where that came from? What were the original sacrifices were? He, humans into volcanoes to appease the gods? Yeah. So let's, let's look at that one, right? Killing a, you know, a sheep to, to, and asking the god for it to rain or whatever. It's a quid pro quo. I'm going to give up this thing. And I want this in return. That's not a sacrifice the way we think of it today. That's a deal. Right? That's a deal. That's an assumptive deal. You're assuming if if you give this thing, you're going to get something in return. Yeah. So there's a little bit of risk in it in that there's some trust or faith or whatever you want to call it. It's not like you're buying a banana, right? And you see the banana right in front of you. But it's not like I'm giving up this, this thing and I'm just doing it because you're awesome. <laughs> you know? I want something. But somewhere along the way, on my list of things I'll probably never get around to researching, I want to know when sacrifice started meaning pure selfless altruism with no expectation of return. You hear this from parents all the time. I've sacrificed my career to have to raise this child. What? You chose to have the child. You didn't sacrifice anything. You chose. You know what that does to a child? Now the child has to carry the, you know, the the parent's lack of uh, goal realization as a form of guilt. Now it's their fault. After all I've done for you, I raised you. That's what you're supposed to do. You had a child. You couldn't extrapolate. Like, would you think they were going to be like a teddy bear? I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry you didn't realize that it was a 24-hour-a-day job for the first five years and like then an 18-hour-a-day job for another 10 years. Do you know why I'll never have children? Because I get it. Because I can extrapolate from incomplete information. I look around and go, wow, they sure need a lot of attention. I don't see myself becoming a great guitarist and having a child at the same time. I'm choosing. I don't know why this is so difficult. I barely have time to pick up my guitar now. I just don't get that. Just choose. It's fine. If you want to have a child, fine. You're going to sacrifice some things, which means you're going to have to make some different choices. I mean, like, does this have to be taught in school? I guess it does. We need, if I can, in math, like, let's, you know, forget trigonometry. Let's teach people how many hours a week it takes to raise a child. (laughs) 
<laughs> it, it seems like promoting your how much you sacrifice has some kind of weird social benefit, you know. Balloons fall from the ceiling. No, 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 no. That was awesome, Sam. Yes, that's overwhelm, right? Look at me. I'm I'm a altruistic, valiant parent. I'm I'm taking care of. That's what you're supposed to do. You chose to have it. Now you got to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of hours to do a good job with it. And 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 you you think you you should get a medal for that? Well, in one way you should. It's probably the hardest thing in the world to do. But you chose to do it. And you didn't have to, you know? No, it's like, like one of my best friends is vegan. And when she first went vegan, I told her, you know what? Scientists have concluded it's totally possible to become vegan and not tell anybody about it. <laughs> oh my God, I almost snarfed. <laughs> oh my god that's so good that's the funniest thing I've heard this week <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah that exactly so this idea of, of like that, that sacrifice is a thing like that someone has done something it's connected to this this idea that selflessness is somehow a good thing. That you know that uh, while I'm going to work, I'm going to my job, and I and I hate my job, but I gotta support my family. You know, I got you gotta I gotta pay the bills. All right, you, you hate your job. Well, is there anything you like about it? What is that for you? And even if you want to be doing something completely different, you, you've heard me talk about this before. What what can you be doing? To get better at that thing, how can you use your job to become the you you want to become? Now, tying back to what I was talking about before with the three authorities, part of how you can use your job to become the you you want to become or do the thing you want to do, have the thing you want to have, is to use these three authority dynamics. Use your peers, use your boss. And use some other authority who's, you know, maybe another member of the management team or a coach you have or a therapist you have or whatever. Use that. My biggest dream one day is to have what I call the university of what matters. And I love doing this, but this is not my biggest dream. My biggest dream is to have a campus of like 50 acres somewhere like Hawaii, Colorado, someplace beautiful, some kind of tourist destination where I get to create a new school, like a high school through college type thing. That's an alternative school. Now you know why I'm always bashing school so much. That's my sort of latent dream trying to come forward. I want to create a whole new kind of school, a whole new kind of of education. And Clear and Open is just the beginning of that because I'll be in charge of, you know, the business curriculum in the school or whatever. And I've got a friend who can do the whatever part of the education. I know a bunch of teachers and we'll all come together and live in one place and there'll be one building that's just a big music studio. You know, can you see it? The university of what matters. I don't know what it'll be really called, but that's what it will be. And instead of a couple hours every week on the phone, it's a, you live there. It's like summer camp year round. Performance art happening every night. That's what I want to create. That's what this serves. 
So on the mornings where I wake up and go, oh my God, I, I have nothing else to say about excellence. I've been talking about it for like a year straight. I think about the university of what matters. And I think about who am I going to need to be? Am I going to run that thing? Am I going to oversee a hundred people? Uh, the me that I am now can't do that. Not yet. I don't even know if I can be that. But I've had this dream since I was a kid and I got to honor it. How can you use whatever you're doing now to get where you want to go? Any frame other than that is victimhood. I'm stuck here. I don't want to be doing this. This sucks. This is boring. There's truth to that. It's just all victimhood. Responsibility for excellence means, hey, there's a weight. How can I use it to make me stronger? I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just saying I don't know what else to do. You know, that could happen a hundred times a day. Something that uh, you made me think of a feeling I had in my early 20s when you're talking about a camp year round. So I was a uh, camp counselor for four years through college. And the harshest transition was coming back to quote unquote real life. And it was devastating because you're in this area where you're living under, you know, values that you've defined and are able to live 24 seven for an entire summer. And then you go back to your job and your school and whatever. And to me personally, I don't know for others, that might be the hardest part of, of all this work is that philosophically, logically, this all makes sense. But then you step away from the call and you're like, oh, now I got to live it at my 3.30 client meeting. Oh, uh-huh. how do I do that? Uh-huh. And that's, it's hard. Yep. It is. Yeah. It's hard. And um, so flocking together with other birds that look at life the same way, super helpful. You know, there's so much research on the, on the peer group thing. It's not even a question anymore. You know, to, there's no escape from the difficulty of it, but you can make it easier. That's important to yeah. create that bridge. Cause in any, any teaching, any kind of inside outside thing that, that what you're illustrating really well there is, is an issue. I feel it like, you know, it's like when I do my four or five hours on the phone, I'm all inspiring and talking about responsibility. And then, you know, and I hang up my last meeting for the day and I look at the rest of my day and all the stuff that I, where I'm not having the structure of other people, you guys call forth a better version of me. Right. And then when the camera's off, I'm just left and it's just me. That's not easy. Sometimes I'm like, okay, second half of my day where I'm not talking to people. How am I going to be that guy I talked about all morning? (laughs) (laughs) You know, if three out of four days I can do it, I'm okay with that. That's good enough. What's the research you just uh, alluded to? Uh, uh, Peer groups, peer support groups, peer authority. Change or Die is a really good book that talks about that. Easy to remember too, Change or Die. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.